This is the spirit of leading. Where we delve into the heart and soul of everyday leadership. Because a better world begins with each and every one of us making leadership real to our family, our workplace, and our community. The world needs you to be empowered to lead, someone who can and will make a difference. So let's get started. Exactly what is a born leader? I'm Garland McWaters, and welcome to this edition of The Spirit of Leading. In this episode, I want to explore the question, is leadership something that's learned, or something that a person is born with, something that's innate to them, or some combination of those two? In other words, how does one become an empowered leader who empowers other leaders? Let's start with my definition of a leader. Anytime I talk about leadership, you're going to hear me use this definition, and in future podcasts, you're going to hear it again, I'm sure. I define a leader as someone who helps us go places we cannot or will not go by ourselves. And this is true on any scale, from one-on-one relationships to being the leader of the free world or a global leader. And furthermore, an empowered leader is someone who takes the initiative to make things better for himself or herself and others. Now that being said, some people just seem to be more naturally inclined to take on a leadership role. So I'm going to refer to them as natural leaders. Are you a natural leader? Do people turn to you automatically when they need someone to show them the way or to take charge? If they do, you're probably a natural leader. And what I mean by that is, for some reason, you have influence because other people listen to you. They just seek you out for direction and advice. You didn't set out to be the leader. They just turn to you and say, well, what do you think we should do? So I guess in that sense, we might say some people are born leaders because people naturally trust them and there are qualities that they exude or present that make other people want to look to them to help lead the way. Because you see, leadership is not bossing people around. It's not taking over and asserting your will on them or driving them. That would be tyrannical. That's what a tyrant does. In fact, when I talk about or think about leadership, I like that shepherd analogy. The analogy that says that the sheep know the shepherd's voice and they follow because it's built on a relationship of familiarity and trust. So some people do seem to be naturally talented with these leadership abilities, but does that mean that those who do not seem to possess those qualities as a natural ability are not cut out to be leaders? To answer this, well, let's think about other ways that we talk about talent or natural ability. A talent is the ability to do a task with ease that seems like you're not even really conscious of trying. It's that you don't need any special training to do. You just come by it naturally. And we talk about people as being not only natural-born leaders, but natural-born artists or natural-born athletes. There are many athletic examples we could turn to, but I'm going to talk about golf because I play golf and because as I look at golf, it's just about uh, something that just about anyone could really probably do. Uh, You could probably swing a club at a stationary ball and make some kind of contact, and we'll call that golf. 
Some people have the natural coordination to make a fluid golf swing, and they quickly excel at hitting the ball down the fairway consistently and in the middle, and they master the fundamentals, and they just get better and better and better scores. In other words, they take fewer strokes to play the round. But that doesn't make them the number one ranked golfer in the world. I've been to several professional golf tournaments, one of which won by Tiger Woods back in 2007. It was his, uh, I guess it was the PGA. I'm just amazed at the ease with which these golfers swing and make the ball fly on a certain trajectory and do certain things and land the place they want it to land. And you watch them play and you think, well, that looks easy. And then you try it and you realize it's not quite as easy as it looks. But these golfers are the top performers in the world who play on the PGA Tour. And and there are thousands and thousands and thousands of golfers and excellent golfers out there, but somehow these 200 or so individuals excel to the point that they, they earn the right to be on the tour and perform at that world-class level. But how does that happen? Do they just naturally have the ability and they walk out and they're just chosen and they do that? But people who understand golf know that that's not the case. While there are some people who seem to have a natural inclination to perform the golf swing easier and more fluidly than maybe others do, one realizes that to perform at that level takes hours and hours and hours of practice. That story is repeated over and over and over again by any athlete who performs at a world-class level. Painting and artistic abilities the same way. Some people might have the ability to sketch and draw and have an artistic flair, but that doesn't make them a master. They spend hours and hours perfecting their technique and learning their craft. I also often talk about Michelangelo, who painted the Sistine Chapel, and when you read about his life, you realize that he was first and foremost a craftsman, and then he was an artist. He spent hours and hours perfecting his talent, understanding the nature of the human body and being able to draw and understand. And from that then, he perfected his ability to paint and sculpt. Dancing is another one of those things. Some people have a natural ability to move their body in synchronization to music and in rhythm. And millions and millions of people dance. Almost everyone in every culture dances, but that doesn't make them a world-class or world champion ballroom dancer or a prima ballerina. That takes hours and hours and hours of study and perfection. But we'll call them natural because they seem to learn that skill quicker or have some sort of a natural talent or they're adapted to that. You know, I do love to play golf, and I play with some small level of skill. I consistently score between 85, 95 strokes per round. Par, by the way, is like 70 or 72. So that means I take anywhere from 15 to 25 more swings at the ball over a course of 18 holes than the course in a sense allows. But no matter how often I play, and I try to play a lot, my score hovers in that range between 85 and 95. It does tend to move toward the lower score the more I play, but I've never played par golf. And I've only been below 80 maybe twice that I can ever remember in my entire life. Why? It's pretty simple. I don't practice. And I haven't learned to play the game correctly from a professional teacher. I'm mediocre at best, and no matter how often I play, I'll be mediocre at best because I have not learned to play the game correctly and because I don't practice. I often wonder why does a $10 million a year athlete need a coach who makes about 5 to 10% of that salary? Well, it's because they cannot teach themselves to play the game. They have natural ability, but someone has to guide and coach them. 
And so when you hear stories about the world's top athletes or the artists or entertainers and you see the real secret to their success, it's the hours that they've spent in practice to raise their individual performance to the highest possible level. They are performance-driven. They're committed. They're exacting. They are relentless. Natural ability is just a starting place. They must take that talent and develop it into a strength. They learn to play the game correctly, and constantly they're working on their game over and over again. So can I learn something at which I do not have a natural talent? Yeah, sure I can. But I have to really, really want to do it, and I might never be the best at it, but I can be the best that I can be at it. And so I might not have the natural ability to be an artist, but I can learn to sketch and draw through fundamentals of shape and design and practice over and over. I can learn to draw, and I have learned to draw a little. I like the analogy of a movie years ago called Amadeus. It was really about Mozart and another composer who was known at that time and was a contemporary of Mozart. And the movie Amadeus pitted one against the other. The other composer's name was Antonio Salieri. And as the story goes, Salieri was born with this passionate desire to want to compose music. The problem was he didn't have the means to go to school to learn to be a composer, and he didn't have the raw talent. He had some talent and a desire, but then he met Mozart, who was several years his junior. And Mozart was uh, a prodigy. He was someone who born born with natural talent, and music just flowed out of his mind, and he seemed to just do it effortlessly. And Salieri was always jealous in the movie of that, and of course, the, as the legends go, Salieri believes that he had some part in the death of Mozart. But the point is, Salieri did achieve some level of prominence. Although he didn't have the raw talent that Mozart had, he had some ability and a desire, and he put himself and applied himself to being able to, to compose, and he composed operas, and he, did, he was a teacher, and he, did, uh, he was known to some level, reached some level of mastery in his time, and his work is even being discovered even more, more today. He was at least born with a spirit of composing, And I think some people are born with a spirit of leadership. They desire to lead. They want to make a difference, but they may not have all the natural talent that others seem to have, but yet they can still learn to lead. But as I've looked at the competencies of leadership, and I guess this is what we talk about a lot of times, what does it take to be a great leader? What does it take to be one of these empowering kind of leaders? What are the competencies? Is there a list? Are are there a secret few? And my answer to that is I don't think so. I don't think there are just a, a, the, the competencies and skills that you have to have to be a leader. I think you have to have a spirit of leadership to be a leader. You can have a lot of talent, but let it go to waste. You can have a desire to be lead, to lead, but never learn to lead. And even even have talent to lead and never learn to use that talent. And so what are the competencies? And I've read book after book after book after book on this. And I've studied and listened and tried to pay attention. And I go to my classes on leadership and I ask people, what do you think makes a great leader? And they always list about the same things. Uh, so there are, there are qualities and traits and talents that are all part of that leadership mix. And we all possess some of them to some level. And those are all good, and I guess we can learn those things. I I believe we can learn those things. But if I'm looking at the essence of the spirit of leading, 
what would I say are the things that I would that I would think make a transformative difference in getting a person to the place where they can really have an impact as an empowering leader? Here's my answer. I've picked five things. These are the five things that I would say, if you want to transform yourself and move yourself into being some kind of a leader that can make a difference, focus on these kinds of things. Number one, the desire to make a difference in your world. The desire to make your world, however you define your world, a better place for everyone who inhabits it. Whether your reach is just the boundaries of your family or the boundaries of your workplace or the boundaries of your work unit or it could be your community or your neighborhood or it could be global. Whatever that reach is, if you have a desire to make your world a better place for everyone, that I think is the single most important ingredient in empowering leadership. Secondly, imagination. The ability to envision or imagine a better future that is more prosperous, more wholesome, more safe, and happier for everyone who inhabits that future. The ability to imagine what it could be like and to move forward. You know, several people have quoted uh, George Bernard Shaw and others who have said some people th see things as they are and ask why. I dream of the way things could be and ask why not. Well, that's the kind of imagination I'm talking about. Number three, connecting through communication. Being able to engage and work with people and communicate with them in such a way that you can connect with them and have a conversation, can work, thing, work through things. Fourth, building collaborative relationships across diverse networks. Getting outside of yourself and outside of your own echo chamber to really connect with the larger world, the larger group, the larger community, other people who live around you. Building collaborative relationships. If you can't collaborate, you cannot lead, period. And the fifth of these is a spirit of peacemaking. So those five again are the desire to make your world a better place for everyone, imagination to envision a better future, connecting through communication, building collaborative relationships across diverse networks, and being a peacemaker. I came across a, an article on LinkedIn. I was researching this podcast and uh, was looking at leadership and leaders. And I came across a hit uh, by an individual that I found out was basically a, a part-time or freelance English teacher in Malaysia. His name is Rajit Singh Tind, or Thind. hope I said that correctly. He wrote in a Pulse article, he said this, he used the phrase quack leaders. He said, quack leaders are a plenty in the world today. They have this foolish notion that they are true leaders, but they don't seem to lead their stated industry in any new form or ideas. Most of it's just picking up from what their predecessors have been doing. Same old, same old, in other words. Then he goes on to say, A born leader is possessed with originality of thought, thoughts that create more benefits to society, thoughts that inspire and teach others to do the same, thoughts that jolt others to rethink the usefulness of their present worth. And those words resonated with me because I think coming from someone who is basically like you and me, uh, just a person out there trying to make a difference in the world and doing it through his vocation, uh, he seems to hit on something that uh, two points that I thought were rel rel relatively important to me. First of all, 
people who think they're leaders and they're not. And this is sort of my hobby, a hobby horse of mine. And I guess that's not a good thing to have a hobby horse in my, I'm accused sometimes of my friends of going on a rant about this, but you know, it's my podcast and I guess I'll rant if I want to. And and the idea is, I think a lot of people out there think they're leaders, but they're really not, because they're not contributing anything to making the world a better place. They're divisive, and they drive wedges between people, and they use ideas to put people against each other, and they really offer nothing. And you ask them, what is your better world? And they don't have an answer. They do not have an answer. It's all like, well, I could make it better, but they don't have any ideas. All they can tell you is how bad it is and how crummy the current leadership is or how crummy somebody else is doing, but they don't have any answers themselves, only that they can make it better. To me, that's not leading anybody anywhere, and I just do not resonate with that kind of leadership rhetoric, but a lot of people do. But I, don't, I think they have this foolish notion that they're leading, but they're not leading anybody anywhere. A born leader is possessed with originality of thought. I like that idea. There's some, something about that. That goes back to that envisioning process that I was talking about a minute ago, the imagination. You know, Andrew Carnegie said, No man will make a great leader who wants to do it all himself or to get all the credit for doing it. But it seems to me like a lot of these people who think they're leaders but they're not want all the credit for doing it, and they have their way. Well, I know how to make it better, and I can do this, and I can do that, and just follow me, and so forth, but they really don't. John Maxwell is a very prolific writer in leadership, has been for a long time. He said uh, this about encouraging and about helping other people do better. A word of encouragement from a teacher to a child can change a life. I know teachers, and in fact, I've had the good fortune of speaking with one at length just recently, and we were talking about this, how, the diff- how a teacher can make such a difference to a single child in a classroom, and the light just comes on, and a life is changed. A word of encouragement from a spouse can save a marriage. Think about all the things that you hear about people who are going their separate ways, who have been in relationships, and all of a sudden they, they're saying, they don't listen to me, they don't they don't support me. They don't. Uh, we don't get along. We are on. We're going in different value sets in different places. There's no encouragement and no mutual support happening there. Only divisiveness and contempt, not encouragement. Just stop and think about how changing our perspective and a word of encouragement can change a relationship and save a marriage. A word of encouragement from a leader can inspire a person to reach her potential. It can inspire a community to greatness. It can inspire a nation to greatness. Words of encouragement instead of words of discouragement and disparagement. John, I think you're on to something. And I think that fits within what I'm trying to say in this podcast. If we're looking for some transformative qualities of making leaders from natural talent or even from people who have a spirit of wanting to lead, starting with this idea of encouraging is important. In fact, in my own creed, what I call my Empowered to Lead creed, and you see it on my website, I write it this way. Each and every day, encourage the spirit, enliven the heart, enlighten the mind, and enlarge the expectations of living in yourself and in others. If you live that creed, you're living what I think is the spirit of leading. So regardless of which school of thought you lean toward, even people with innate qualities that influence them toward leading must hone that talent into a strength. Annie McKee, who is a co-author of uh, Resonant Leadership and Becoming a Resonant Leader, wrote this. She said, significant professional growth without personal transformation is impossible. 
Thank you, Annie, for saying that, because I've felt this and I've seen this so many times in my own professional training. Let me go back to my golf illustration. In my work, I hear some managers talk about how much leadership experience they have, meaning that's how many years they've been in a leadership role. Well, it's like my golf game. I never learned to really play golf, and they never really learned how to lead and manage. They've been trying to figure it out on their own without any guidance, without any coaching, without any practice. And because they practice leading imperfectly, they continue bad practices, which leads to continued bad performance. So how many, no matter how many years they have had at being a leader or at being a manager, they remain mediocre and sometimes really, really bad at it. I'll just call them leadership duffers because they're hacking away around at leadership and they're not making any improvements and they're making everyone frustrated and they're just not good at it and they're not getting any better and they're making everyone miserable around them and they think they're leaders because they've been doing it for 10 or 15 or 20 years but they never learned how and they're not willing to learn they just keep hacking around but there is hope a transformation can happen when we come to our moment of truth that we need to get better at it and when we are wise enough to admit it to ourselves and then to go out and seek help Transformation is that change from one form to another to grow and to evolve. In fact, I've written about that in my book, Marcus Wynn's Moment of Truth, a series of leadership books I'm writing. When a recently promoted supervisor is forced to face as a young man that the fact that he is not performing is expected in this new role. Uh, they thought he was going to do well because he was good at his job. They put him in a supervisor's role, and he's not doing as well as they thought he could do, but they never taught him how. And now he's got to find a way to save his job. You can check that series out on my website, Empowered to Lead. It'll take you to a description of all of those books. Well, perhaps, perhaps you are lucky enough to be sort of a natural leader, which means you're someone who is comfortable in a leadership role and you seem to exhibit qualities and temperaments that evoke confidence from others. And you feel good in your leadership skin, so to speak. But maybe you don't. If you do have a desire to lead, you can become more comfortable in that role. You can get more comfortable in that leadership skin with practice. You want to make a difference, but you might feel awkward or unsure. You can learn to be more comfortable. I recently took an improv acting class, and there were many other participants who came to that class because they wanted to be more comfortable and natural talking on their feet, uh, engaging people sort of uh, off the cuff. There were no illusions about becoming great improv artists among anybody in that group, certainly not me. But they did want to be able to interact more comfortably. And you cannot believe the transformation that happened over eight weeks in that class. It was impressive. In fact, there was one young lady who was very shy and sort of backward and very tentative in the way she expressed herself. And you could see it in her body language and everything else. And by the eighth session, she was out there with everybody being being vocal and expressive and engaged and comfortable in doing that. You can listen to my podcast with Terry Catlett. Uh, it's podcast number eight about improv and, and teamwork. And uh, he was an improv artist and an instructor, and we talked about that process and about uh, how improv relationships are very much like leadership relationships and team building. So you might check that out. 
you know, if it's a lack of confidence that you, that you have, just exactly what is it that you're, that you're not confident about? Isolate what that is and then start working on it. You can just get better by working on the things that you're not comfortable with. Just like any professional athlete, if they have a weakness, they work on that weakness so that it doesn't become a detriment to their own talents. It's not that they're going to become great at that, but they don't want it to get in the way of the things they're really good at. And so they keep working on the things that they want to improve and they don't feel comfortable with so that they can become more comfortable with it. But that's also a way they help to release the real skill that comes from their natural ability that they have. And we all have natural ability at some things. There's no one else in the whole human race with your kind of style and your kind of grace. There's no one else like you. You, know, you have what you bring, what you have to the leadership experience, and you can work with that. You can transform yourself into an empowered leader and an empowering person. There is no one else like you. So let's look at these five things one more time. Let's just look at some examples of what we can do. The desire to make your world a better place for everyone who inhabits it. Whatever your reach is, if you have that desire, you already have something going for you because you want to make the world a better place for everyone. It's not just about you. It's about the, it's about the network. It's about raising the level of everyone. It's about looking out for everyone, not just yourself. If it's only about you, you're already lost. If it's just about your ego, and it's just about how important you are, and it's just about having your way. If it's just about being, uh, having status, or just about having the corner office, or being able to have more money to buy more things, to look important. If it's about you, 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 you're already lost. But if you can transform yourself into someone who really looks to other people and cares about their welfare and their benefit and your sense of desire is to make a better place for everyone who inhabits it that might be where the transformation needs to begin secondly imagination the ability to envision or imagine a better future with that's more proper prosperous wholesome safe and happier say ask what you want ask what do i want what kind of community and workplace do i want to have for myself as gandhi said be the change you want what kind of relationship do i want what can i imagine write it down draw a picture of it and make a collage visualize your dreams what sets humans apart from other animals is our ability to imagine and to act on it all other animals are locked into sort of the here and now they're just surviving but we as human beings can imagine a future state. We can go out and create that. I'm amazed sometimes uh, just that the, th the examples around us of how we imagine things to be and make them better. I live in the Dallas area and I look at all the construction that's going on in building all of these interchanges and these highways. And I'm thinking about uh, these engineers who were, who were trying to decide how to move people from one place to another and how to create a flow of traffic so that uh, people can get from point A to point B and not get all all backed up at the interchanges. And then I see these interchanges that are being built, these, uh, these roads in the sky. And someone had to imagine that up here in the sky, in this open space, there could be something that would solve that problem, that would get us from here to there, and then come up with a way to, to, to make that possible. That's imagination. Looking for ways to make things better and imagining how it could be is your imagination at work. You can do it for yourself. You can do it for the people around you. There's a value in this imagining and there's a value in capturing your ideas for future reference. 
A lot of people who were great leaders had a habit that a lot of people today, especially men, just don't want to do. Believe it or not, it's called journaling. People say, oh, I don't want to write. That's a girly thing. You know, that's writing a diary. Who wants to keep a diary? Well, uh, Michelangelo did. Leonardo da Vinci did. Uh, all of the great founding fathers of our country did. They kept journals and notes of the things that were important to them and how are they going to to accomplish something and what their ideas for the future were. A lot of the great movements in history came from people's ideas that were journaled or written down and rediscovered years later. The greatest minds in history were avid writers and journalists of their journalers of their ideas. They captured them and kept them and used them and, and nurtured them and incubated those ideas. It's called reflective learning. It's called introspection. It's called the language in the language of multiple intelligences, it's called the intrapersonal intelligence. And by neglecting this capacity, you're actually reducing your transformative powers by over 14%. If you can imagine it, capture what's on your imagination, write down the world you want, think about the world you want, think about the you that you want to be, put it in your mind and work on it because if it's in your mind, you will go there. We are what we think. We are what we think about. We become what we think about. Imagination. Three, transformation by connecting through communication. When Martin Luther King Jr. made his historic I Have a Dream speech at the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C., he shared his vision of what the world he wa- of the world he wanted to live in. He said, I, I have a dream of a day when. And he painted that picture for all of us to sort of imagine. There was a collective me too that crystallized in our minds the kind of world that it could be. And he helped us all see that and our place in it. The transformation begins in this connecting and communicating by listening to others and identifying with their passions. Connect first and worry about what to say later. Usually we think of communication as being able to express ourselves. I present an empowerment leadership lab on assertive listening, and the thrust of which is to help others communicate or express what they want to say by listening and clarifying so they get their message out clearly. Learning that skill is transformative in relationships. It's not about what you want to say. It's about what others need to say and helping them to express that. Communicating uh, and connecting through this process of communicating is transformative. When we start doing that and communicate through this collaborative uh, kind of listening, we actually begin building collaborative relationships across diverse networks. Leaders cannot wall themselves inside a protective cocoon, or it's a fortress that keeps everybody else outside and you inside where you feel safe, but you've got to go outside. You've got to go outside your flock. You've got to go outside your neighborhood. You have to go outside of your own comfort world. You cannot be isolated. So sometimes transformation and becoming a transformative leader and being transformative ourselves means getting outside of our known comfort zones and exploring just a little bit. It's called getting outside of our own echo chamber where the only voice that we hear are the voices of ourselves and the people who are just like us. If we're just talking to each other, we're not learning anything about the big world out there. If we're only hearing one story, a story or one version of a story or an issue from a single perspective, we're not understanding what's out there. We cannot be collaborative and build collaborative relationships across diverse networks because we never go out there into where diverse networks might be. Collaboration is seeking to listen 
and to understand many points of view so that you can synthesize disparate perspectives into a unified whole and a unified story that builds relationships and that makes problem solving possible. Unless we collaborate, unless we really get outside and listen and transform and broaden our own perspectives and understandings of others, we'll never have that, uh, we'll never have that transforming moment where we go, aha, it's like that out there. I didn't know that. So we need to transform ourselves and broaden our perspectives of what's out there and get outside of our own territory and find new territory. Lower the drawbridge, leave the fortress, venture out into a new, wonderful, engaging world of possibilities. And that last one is peacemaking. It comes from a transformative quality that we have been talking about, all these transforming qualities that we've been talking about. Peacemaking begins with believing in the innate goodness of others as the default trait instead of believing in their innate badness. I believe that people are born good. We are born good and that things happen to us that take us in different directions and maybe take us away from goodness, but it's not where we start. And people really want to be good and people always believe that they are good in their own minds, even when they're doing bad things sometimes. But the innate goodness People have an innate goodness in them, and if we believe in that quality that's there, we have to acknowledge, even though the people are looking out for their own survival, that they are not our enemy. They are not our adversary, and, and we need to act accordingly uh, to, to make them our friends and not our adversaries. And if we keep treating them as if they are our adversaries, they will be our adversaries. But if we treat them as if there is the opportunity of peacemaking and the ability to kind of get past that and resolve those things, then maybe we will find that. Peacemaking itself is transformative because we must learn the mutual foundations of mistrust, find out what's wrong in that relationship, and then work through that. Discord is easy. You can continue to be angry. You can continue to be mad. You can walk away angry and, and uh, self-absorbed, and you can walk away pointing the finger and accusing the other person. That's easy. It's easy to walk away. But peace can be painstakingly difficult because of the distrust that must be overcome. You cannot give lip service to peacemaking, but you must give heart and soul to the process. This alone can be transformative. The test of a true leader and a true leadership is when someone can push for peace, when others are pushing for the status quo of disharmony and suspicion to prevail. Perhaps that's why Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Make peace with anyone who is an adversary. If you want to be transformative and go through the transformative process to being an empowering leader, reach out to the people where there are where there is disagreement. Reach out to the people where there's disharmony. Reach out to the people where there is discord. Empower yourself by taking the initiative to make things better in these relationships that are strained and dysfunctional. Just listen to and learn their point of view instead of trying to explain yours. That's transformative. Well, to answer the question, are leaders born or made? Well, my answer, I guess, is both. I said that earlier. Some possess natural inclinations to make some aspects of the process easier. Others of us must work through those more focused skill areas and develop those skills. But if you have a spirit of leading in which you desire to be an empowering leader, you can learn how and you can become an exceptionally talented leader. That's what the Spirit of Leading podcast is dedicated to. It's what being empowered to lead is all about, taking the initiative to make things better, 
for yourself and others. John Quincy Adams, sixth president of the United States, said, If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you're a leader. Ray Kroc, the founder of McDonald's, said, The quality of a leader is reflected in the standards they set for themselves. And when we set transformative standards for ourselves, we increase the quality of leader that we can be. That is itself transformative. I recently came across a website. It's Lisa Heisha. She is a psychologist and a counselor. And she said this, and this to me is so profound. I really want to close with this. She says, great leaders don't set out to be a leader. They set out to make a difference. It's never about the role. It's always about the goal. And to me, that's what being an empowered leader is. It's about the goal. The goal is to make things better for yourself and others. It's to help people get from here to there and to be the person who could lead them from where they are to where they want to be, to where they can be and need to be. That's leadership. Are you born with that spirit? Do you have that spirit within you? If you do, you can be a great leader. You can be an empowering leader and an empowering person. So I want to thank you for listening. And don't miss out on future episodes. You can subscribe to my blog at empoweredtolead.com and you'll get notification in your email when new podcasts are available and new blog posts are available. You can also listen and subscribe on iTunes Podcasts and on Stitcher. So I invite you to go forth in the spirit of leading, to live each and every day by encouraging the spirit, enlivening the heart, enlightening the mind, and enlarging the expectations of living in yourself and others. I'm Garland McWaters, and in the spirit of leading, live empowered.